Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. All right, you know what that means. You are listening to the mystery of parenthood, and we would like you to slow down and um, and take a listen. We're really excited about our guests, but as we always begin, we'll have Stephanie uh, pray our prayer. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life through your Son Jesus Christ, born of woman. And through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become, for each successive generation, a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. And grant that love... Strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in and through our families. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love with the Son and the Holy Spirit, Holy Family of Nazareth. Pray for us. St. John Paul II. Pray Pray for for us. us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, y'all are in for a super, super treat today. Um, we actually are um, have some very special guests who will be speaking at um, a conference that is soon to be held in uh, Round Rock, Texas at St. William's Catholic Church. It's called Together in Holiness. Um, the theme of the conference is Family, a Domestic Church, and it is being held Saturday, November the 6th from 11 a.m., to 6 p.m. and there are still some openings. It is presented by St. John Paul II Foundation and, uh, like I said, hosted by uh, St. William's Catholic Church. The registration price now is uh, couples are $59 and individuals are $35. Um, please don't let money be an issue if uh, if you need a full or partial scholarship. Those are um, those are available. So please inquire. Uh, you can register at um, Together in Holiness, all one word, togetherinholiness.com, and select the Austin location. And married and engaged couples are encouraged to attend. So um, now, with no further ado, um, I, the speaker, some the two of the, I think, three, four, four speakers, there's two couples speaking, um, and the Swaffords are actually going to be giving two presentations at the conference called Family, Become What You Are, and Growing in Confidence as Spiritual Leaders of Your Family. I'm going to do a quick little bio, but I'm, we're going to quickly get them on so they can tell them, tell us more about themselves. Um, Dr. Andrew Swafford is Associate Professor of Theology at Benedictine College. He is author of several books and speaks frequently across the country on Scripture. John Paul II, uh, Spiritual and Moral Life and Marriage. Among his publications are Ascension series on Hebrews and Romans, as well as Spiritual Survival in the Modern World, and John Paul II to Aristotle and back again. Sarah Swafford speaks internationally on dating, relationships, friendship, and interior confidence. She is author of Emotional Virtue, A Guide to Drama-Free Relationships. I love that. Love it. (laughs) And is featured in the confirmation programs Chosen and Why Disciple, as well as the marriage prep program Better Together. Sarah and Andrew live in Atchison, Kansas, with their five children. And now, welcome, (laughs) Swaffords. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, so good to be with you all. Yeah, we were laughing. I, I always giggle when people get like give our our bios because we always sound way cooler than we actually are sitting <laughs> in our car right now in our driveway trying to hide from our children in this very fancy soundproof booth called the Mazda on speakerphone. We're like date night in the car tonight. This is amazing. So, yeah, date I night in the it. car. So. I love it. Take it I'm just teasing. Thank you so much for having us. We appreciate you guys 
having us and we cannot wait to be at the Together in Holiness conference. We know a lot of couples that are going to be there and I think it's going to be a really fun weekend and it's going to be great to meet everyone. Yes, it's always fun to finally meet people in person. (laughs) Yeah, that that, that conference has been, we've been involved with that for several years now because the guy that started that conference, Harlan Nichols, is a is an Aggie. Is an Aggie. So mm-hmm. um, we knew him when he was in college. So yes, we knew him when he was when he when he came to to daily mass. <laughs> oh, very yes, cool. yes, yeah. yes. And I think he now has seven, uh, seven, eight, I think. seven, seven, seven or eight. I, think, I don't know. Yes, I can't remember. But anyway, <laughs> that's good. Oh, I love it. Oh, that's really cool. Yes, yes. So if there's anything cool that we did miss about you guys that you would like our listeners to know and entice them to uh, come and hear more from you and about you at the conference, please um, feel yeah, free to... Tell us about your family. Yes, and... absolutely. Tell us about your kids. Oh, you're so sweet. Well, I one of the things that we've been really loving is um, the fact that during quarantine, you know, quarantine and COVID don't get very many points, but when we give it points, uh, the few points I give it, uh, one of the like the nice things was getting to do talks together. You know, Swaff and I being uh, quarantined together with our kids, it was awesome because we could jump on Zoom and be able to do different. I mean, we do a lot of different talks, and that's one of the things we love about you know just being Catholic and being um, just part of the just the beauty of the church is that you know I do a lot of work with young adults and teens and. Um, you know, when I wrote my book, I thought I was writing it for college students and young adults and then slowly discovered that a lot of the parents were reading it. And a lot of, you know, my grandparents are 90 and they loved it. So, you know, people say, who do you speak to? I'm like, oh, you know, somewhere between 10 and 90, you know, whoever wants to kind of hang out. So, um, but I really, you know, we do spend a lot of our time with the young adults and um, we live across the street from Benedictine College, so I actually we're looking at campus right now. So we we bought a house a couple of years ago, about a block and a half from our parish and a block and a half from Benedictine. Um, and so we just live in you know Grand Central Station here, and it's the way we love it because we we love doing ministry with young adults, but we also know that um, well we're old, and so they, a lot of the young adults that we've been spending time with over the last fifteen years, you know, now have families of their own, and so we're really. Yes blessed to be married 16 years and have five kids, but we also have a lot of friends that are, you know, in our boat. And then we have 2000 college students across the street and we know a lot of their parents. And so we do a lot of ministry with their parents and just like getting to know them. We had a homecoming this weekend. So my whole house is full of parents and, and college students. And, um, and then we have kids of our own, you know, Thomas is 15. Fulton is 14. Uh, our only girl, Kate, Catherine is 10. And then Colby Joseph is six. And John Paul is Two, so um, our baby, his name is John Paul Benedict, and then we always say no pressure because it's like John Paul Benedict, <laughs> no pressure. So um, yeah, so uh, we, we absolutely adore um, we adore doing ministry, and we love doing it together, and it brings out a side of us that's fun. You know, we always giggle and laugh because we feel like we're giving talks to ourselves. So when we're giving this marriage conference, you know, we always joke, we get up on stage, we're like, hey, we are not experts. We are in this crazy uh, mess right with you, but these are some things that have been helping us or things that we've been, you know, learned from a lot of the parents that we sit at their feet and say, man, teach me, help me. You know, we were joking before we got on, on the phone with you guys, you know, you're a parent forever, you know, it just, <laughs> it never stops. And, um, you know, it's just, it's beautiful. It yeah. is beautiful. Well, you, you mentioned your friend that helped start that marriage conference. I mean, it's, you know, this is kind of what it's all about. I love the academics. I love the research, the writing. But, uh, you know, I went to college at Benedictine as a student, actually, initially, only to play football. And I uh, never mm-hmm. dreamed to be where I am now. I just had my life changed, met the Lord, Jesus Christ. And, and actually, you know, Sarah and I met in college. And we are, we are you know, our lives changed. And just invested in ministry to kind of pay back what was given to us. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I love the, the classroom, love the academics. But, um, you know, when theology and these, these powerful ideas and, and just the, the true and living God meets us in reality and then our lives and our uh, everything's changed and there's, there's no looking back. And so just to kind of see students or people of all ages just kind of go through that and to see how the trajectory of their entire life is just changed and transformed is, is I mean, that's, that's the best part. It is. I think I think so much what I've heard um, y'all talk about it. I, I feel like this, you know, that Catholicism, you never grow old of it. <laughs> You know, you're always, yeah, you're always learning, even though, like you said, Sarah, that you thought you were writing to one population and yet you, you've touched um, a generation far beyond that. So that's what I think the, you know, that the layers of Catholicism that just, uh, 
it's just, it's just so like, beautiful. It, yeah, yeah, it just keeps unfolding. Yeah. But like you, you said, Forever. we've we've been doing this for, I guess, this radio show for seven or eight years, something like that. And and, and we always have always said we're we're not experts, but we're, <laughs> we're veterans. veterans. <laughs> we got the wounds no, to show yeah, it, that's you know. Yep. <laughs> but um, that's our disclaimer. <laughs> and then we've been here at no, St. Mary's. We've been at St. Mary's for. 25 years, 26, 26 years. Mm-hmm. And so we never could get away because we still enjoy um, being around the college kids. So um, yep. I oh, think absolutely. we have a lot in common. Yeah. We're just a little older than y'all. But. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I resemble the company you keep, right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm right. hoping. Like your sheep. <laughs> yeah, like That's your sheep. my prayer. <laughs> yeah, that, that was one of the things that we really love about um, just getting to know the, the John Paul II Foundation and just all that they're doing and um, getting to be a part of, of this weekend is going to be really beautiful. We we have a slight obsession with St. John Paul II. Um, <laughs> I, it was funny because they were like, are you guys comfortable with sharing on him? And we were like, uh-huh, very comfortable. <laughs> um, and we probably would do it without being asked. So it's really wonderful that you're okay with it. So, um, and Andy, you know, Andy has been doing so much with John Paul II over the last couple of years. We've just, um, that's probably one of the things that we'll talk about this week or, you know, on the retreat as well is just, kind of the way that he has been able to, I mean, John Paul the Great has been able to penetrate. I mean, he really went after us in college. You know, we always joke that st- like certain saints will stalk you. Um, and it's like, <laughs> oh man, during college, it was like he was everywhere. Um, one of our mentors, one of our favorite uh, people in the entire world, the God, you know, godparents of our firstborn son, we wouldn't be Catholic and we wouldn't be together. We wouldn't be married if it wasn't for Dr. Shree and oh, Beth yeah. Shree. Um, wow. they, were, they were teachers here when we went through college and um, I still can't call him Ted. He's still Dr. Shree to me. I can't do it. So, I mean, you know, all these years later, I was like, Dr. Shree, and I give him a big hug. And, um, but they, they changed our lives. And really, um, the first, you know, Swaffle Day was the first man he ever heard pro- like proclaim the gospel. And um, John Paul II was so dear to Dr. Shree that it really just, a lot of the classes that he taught, he, you know, he came up a lot. And my senior seminar was actually um, on this book called Love and Responsibility by oh, yeah. a guy named Carol Watiwa. And I remember when we were reading through it um, in my senior seminar, it, it was just, it was profound and it had a profound effect on us. And um, that book that our senior seminar, that was the first time that Dr. Shree had read that book um, and taught on it. And that, that book became men, women and mystery of love. Um, and then my book, emotional virtue, if you read both of those books, you can see very closely how I am a student of Dr. Shree and I'm a student of John Paul the great. And so it's really beautiful to see our formation and, and just the love that, we have for John Paul II that has been growing and growing and growing for years to really come out. So yeah, I mean, well, we got to see John Paul II in person uh, with Dr. Shree uh, as a, a class trip to Rome, and uh, that was pretty cool. When we were in college, yeah. At the end of his life. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I started about five, six years ago, started teaching classes on John Paul II, and, and it's, a lot of the students where I found here at Benedictine, and I think I, I found this everywhere I go, but they, those who are in college now think highly of John Paul II often because their mentors spoke highly of him, but they don't know the man. They don't know the human mm-hmm. story behind the, the ideas. And, and just to kind of take them through the story of, you know, whether it's as a young man or under the Nazis, communists, and, and just to help them see that um, these ideas that became so powerful, that they, they have a texture, they have a fabric, they have, you know, this is the midst of just this tyranny and how he ministered to college students. And I'll often take them through that and yeah. then read Love and Responsibility. And it just, it just makes the book pop in a new way mm-hmm. because they, they just fall head over heels in love with him. It's, I mean, it's been really awesome to see. Yeah, it's almost like another generation getting to know him. And, and we, we joke, Slav and I joke that he's like the Catholic homecoming king. I mean, he literally <laughs> could, do, he like, could do anything. He was everyone's favorite. I mean, just, he, I mean, seriously, everything he touched turned to gold. And yet he was just this humble, like man's man, everybody's man, you know, he just, he just was so charismatic. And, and I, you know, a lot of times I, I'll sit and just pray and I'll just be like, gosh, like, how would St. Paul have used social media? How would John Paul II have used social media? Like, what the heck would Fulton Sheen have done with TikTok when I want to, like, punch it across the room? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I just, it's one of those things where, you know, we look at these great saints and they just, they used whatever means possible to share the gospel. And, um, and we just, we really, we really look to them. We pray to them. We ask for their help and intercession and how to, how to take on some of the problems of the world, especially as 
we minister to college students because they really are on the front lines and their parents are on the front lines and, mm-hmm. you know, trying to, to raise a teenager right now. I mean, like, I think everybody who has you kids that are older than 25 and 30 and didn't have to raise kids with social media are like, here, I'll pour your wine for you. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what to do, but I'll just pour your wine for you. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just totally think it's been really hard. And so, um, yes. so to accompany parents, uh, especially to accompany marriages, especially in a time where marriage is under attack like never before. I mean, that's no secret to anybody. And, you know, we pray for vocations and pray for holy priests and religious. I'm like, and make sure you throw in there, pray for holy marriages, because, you know, a lot of college students look at us and are like, I don't want to be married. This is like, like, no, thank you. I mean, I'll just hard task. Like, I think I'd rather just be single. These vocations are hard. And it's like, I know, I know. Um, and so to be able to, to do a marriage conference, to talk about the nitty gritty, to really pour into these couples. And, and we know they're going to pour into us because, Every time we leave these things, it, it reminds me of uh, I was a camp counselor all through college at a Catholic extreme camp uh, called Camp Tagawitha. And there was a book that they would give us called Campus for the Camper. And um, <laughs> we would laugh. by the end of the summer, we would have these books and we would cross it out and be like Campus for the Counselor because it was like a joke. Because it was like we got so much more out of it than the campers ever did. You know, I mean, it was right. like Campus for the Counselor mm-hmm. for me. Um, and so when I do ministry, I always walk away and I'm like, no, that was for me. That's Steubenville, <laughs> that Seek, that, you know, marriage conference, that was totally for us. And, um, and we're so blessed to be a part of it. Yeah. Amen. Oh, my goodness. Yes. I, I've ditto everything you're saying. Yeah. I, I, I mean, totally, John Paul II yeah. for me was the game, was the game changer. Yeah. I mean, that and Vatican yeah. II, the, the, the first two things I studied, I had a conversion that was really you know, cradle Catholic, but the conversion was with with a group of Baptist guys who who challenged me because they were actually people who were like trying to live a life. Like they would make every decision like, well, what would Jesus do? And they were being honest. And it was it was really mm. challenging to me. And so the first class I ever took it at UD was was on was Vatican II. And I remember reading the document and actually not having this is, you know, I think because of how old I am, not really having been formed really well. My parents were both very good, devout Catholics. But I read Vatican II, one of the documents I looked at, and said, this is a Protestant document. <laughs> I was like, no, it's not. I'm like, that's a little, I mean, like I said it, and I was like, okay, that's stupid. <laughs> but but it, was, it, it, was, it was because I'd not ever heard. So what attracted me to those guys that helped me with my conversion was actually being talked about in Vatican II. And I just, I guess I hadn't either seen it or, or my eyes hadn't been open to the fact that, you know, we're meant to be, our faith is meant to impact and change, you know, how we live. Um, and, and grace is there to help empower us to live out the reality that we're meant to live and to show the world who oh, God yeah. is. Amen. Amen. And you know who was at that council, right? So we got, yes, exactly. And, uh, and also Benedict, yep. I mean, just Rossinger is a 30, 35 year old parachute. there. just amazing to think about. And I think about, you know, all the things you're saying in this conference and uh, here at the college, what JP2 did, I mean, he, he established and formed communities because none of us can do this alone. Exactly. You know, we, we need support. We need people running with us whether we're single or married couples out of the families, like our kids need friends and to kind of create a new normal. That, that's what we seem to be so powerful. You create a new normal and it's like, you don't have to cow out of the cultural pieties if they're you know, adverse to the gospel, uh, but you do it alone and it's awfully hard, you know, uphill sledding, but you do it together. And it's like, there's more joy. There's more fire. There's more excitement here than anywhere else. Yeah. And that's one of the things we'll talk about a lot. Um, our two talks, like you said, family become what you are. Um, they asked us to speak on the domestic church and just what that looks like in like our world today, which can be a little mess. I mean, it's a little messy out there. So right. um, just kind of to, to talk a little bit about, you know, they wanted us to kind of dive into that. And so we're going to do that through the lens of John Paul II and what he really saw family as and just, um, you know, and family can mean so much, but I think for a lot of married couples, it's, Oh my gosh, these four walls. You know, we always joke that Mother Teresa had it right. You know, St. Teresa of Calcutta had it right when she said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Um, Because those are like the hardest people to love. I mean, they're definitely the people you want to punch out of your house first. You know what I mean? So um, we. Except for my wife. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, except for you, right? Um, But we always talk about like, why do you, you know, we have teenagers now. And so 
we always joke, we're like, you know, you're so nice. You know, you, we always joke how easy it is to be nice to people outside of your family. You know, we, when they have like friends mm-hmm. over, it's like, oh my, everyone is so lovely to one another. You know, like all the, the, the way everyone talks to each other. Um, you know, and it's like, okay. <laughs> I mean, our kids are really good to one another. We always joke, but like when we have those little dust ups, you know, it's like, okay, guys, here we go. Take a deep breath. Um, and so that that's one of the things that we really love about marriage conferences is just making sure. I mean, sometimes I really pray through my talks when I give talks is like, I've heard so many amazing talks where you clap at the end and you're like, that was phenomenal. I have no idea what to do with that talk, like in my own life, you know what I mean? And I want to, I always, so often I always say like, Time is so precious and so limited for young couples and for, I mean, any type of family, any parent. I mean, there's a thousand things they could be doing and probably should be doing. You know, I, one of my favorite things Pope Francis says is like, you know, waste time with your kids. And so sometimes I'll be like playing Legos or something. And I'm like, don't think about the thousand things you should be doing. Like focus, focus. You know what I mean? Like as in playing Legos or or Uno for the third time today, you know? So I just, I think that that's one of the things we really value is um, these couples that are coming are giving up their day to be with the Lord and to be with us. And so we're hoping to give people some really practical takeaways and ways to really, you know, inspire each other, stir up something in your marriage or in your life where maybe some things have been put on the back burner because you're just so stinking busy. And that is so real. Um, we were talking to some families and, you know, that feeling of like, gosh, I feel like I'm drowning and yet I'm like isolated and I want to do more and be with more people, but like something's got to give, you know, and that's what we're often just talking about community and not doing it alone. Every time we leave like a gathering or like getting together with other families or something, we all kind of look at each other like, why do we not do this more? Like this Mm, is so life giving and this is so good. So that's one of the things we're going to talk about a lot is just, um, how do you find that balance with the. The, the list of things you have to do and the list of things you want to do and the list of things you need to do. And then, you know, I, I give a time management talk at Benedictine and I have a couple of slides that are just like, Oh, it's so painful to give the slides, you know, to all of us. But one of the slides I show is if you're too busy to pray, you're busier than God wants you to be. Mm. And, um, I always walk away from that, like feeling so like, Oh my gosh, you know, if you're too busy, for the Lord, you're busier than he wants you to be, you know? And if you don't prioritize the Lord, he's going to fall further and further down the list. And those are some things that we yeah. say in our family a lot, you know, and it's, it's hard to say, it's like, say it out loud test. You're like, Oh, I just said that out loud. And now I have to, you know, we have to reevaluate this. <laughs> well, I mean, also, I'm preaching myself. It's like, you know, it's, it's, we're, we're, we're all busy. And if Jesus said, I don't have time to pray or, you know, but then that, I asked them and I asked myself, what are you making time for? Mm-hmm. Because there's always something we won't miss. And, 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 you know, is God really number one or, you know, where, where is my, my time, my money, my kind of mental and emotional energy? What's my matter of all consuming concern? Like, that's what I really worship if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. Right. I tell the students, I'm like, if you want to know what you worship, consult your, your bank statement, like your credit card statement and your planner. Mm-hmm. And they always just walk away from that talk going, I have to go to the chapel. <laughs> you know, it's like, away. like the time management talk is brutal, you know, because I'm trying to inspire them or a little bit of order, a little bit of fun, you know. Um, but every time I give that talk, I walk away and I'm like, oh, brutal. I got to go have another talk with Swap. We need to sit down with our calendar. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. But so yeah, like, that's what we're hoping that the couples get is um, that they're inspired by John Paul II and by what he wants for family and what well, we ultimate what for family, but how to like practically live that out as mothers and fathers and husbands and wives with the craziness that is here, but also with the understanding that these domestic churches are not, you know, as much as we want to run them as like, you know, we have a, we're actually looking at a monastery right now. We have a monastery on campus. I can see the monastery and it's so beautiful. We can hear the chat. We can hear the chimes, like the church bells. Um, every hour we hear them. And mm. I just love my little monastic domestic church I have over here. There's a <laughs> lot that needs to be done in this monastic domestic church. And so, you know, being too cholerics, um, Swaff and I, you know, it's always like, man, it's, it's so great to kind of step back and, and have these weekends where you kind of reevaluate and kind of, put things on the table and talk about them and, and talk about not only what needs to get done, but what God really wants us to have, you know, first and foremost in our lives. Yes. Amen. Well, yeah. No, I, when you were saying that, I was thinking back to that, actually, that group of guys that, that was part of my conversion. And one of the first things I remember him saying, cause this was part of it. He asked me, so, so give me your priorities, you know, and I, and I, and I said, well, okay, God first, family second, work third. And he said, okay, next week after you've taken this next seven days and evaluate like what are you spending your time on what are you spending t- 
come back and tell me really what your priorities are. And and that was a that was a game changer because the next week I was That's like, powerful. okay, work mm-hmm. <laughs> work is first, family's a distant <laughs> second, and God somewhere at the end. And and it really I think it's good to revisit that because because yeah. because it speaks to the fact that 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 like any other relationship, I mean, it's how do you spend? What do you prioritize as important? I mean, what what is the most important thing in your life and what you're spending time with and on and what you're spending money on and all, all of that is, is where the rubber meets the road as Stephanie would say, you know, I mean, it's kind of, that's the incarnational part of it, which is what I love about Catholicism, which I'd seen in these guys, but, but it became very evident to me that, that it's, it's the day to day stuff that, that reveals, or at least has the capacity to reveal, um, what you really care about, what's most important to you. And I think you're so right. I mean, it's, you know, I think one of the greatest causes of secularism, and there's so many causes we can look at, but I just think in the day to day, the busyness. Yes. I mean, when I've taught students who are struggling with, for their faith, I'm like, look, how, when was the last time you went outside at night and looked up at the stars? Mm-hmm. When did you, when was the last time you rekindled that awe you had as a child? Uh, Cause if you're just surrounded by screens and you know, this and that, and just one thing to the next, I mean, there's just not time for the faith to breathe. I think about our Lord's parable, you know, the sower, the, the thorns, the, ch- the cares of the world that choke out the growth of the word of God in us. Yep. Yeah. I mean, Slav and I got it handed to us this summer. Um, whenever we go on vacation as a family or we try to get away every once in a while for a couple of days, just the two of us, um, we joke so we can have all the conversations that we can't have over the heads of our kids anymore. It's kind of a joke, but, um, you know, when they get to a certain age, can't spell anymore. Uh, most of our kids can spell, dang it. So anyway, um, we were having this conversation and we were, we always read a book together just to kind of have, you know, some book going that we've been wanting to read together. We love doing that. And the book that kept coming up to us was, um, you know how when people are like, Oh, you would love this book. And after like the fourth time you're like, Jesus, I get it. I get it. Um, and so the book that we, that we wrote, that we read together was actually by this Protestant pastor who had a, he, you know, he had this like transformation, but it's this book called the ruthless elimination of hurry. Um, it's an orange book and it's by a, 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 he's a pastor, but his name is John Mark Comer. And I'd had so many people tell me I would love it. And I'm like, what are you trying to tell me? Um, and so <laughs> I, we were reading we were reading this book together. And um, again, like just so many little gems that I thought were so appropriate for our time as, as humans, as, as we embark on this, you know, culture as, you know, I always tell Sloth, I'm like, it's kind of going to be interesting to look back in like, you know, 50 years on what all has taken place since even the year 2000 when it comes to internet, phones, social media. I mean, we really are the guinea pigs and I don't know if that's, you know, a great place to be. And so, you know, just really being able to step back and look at this, you know, from like a eternal perspective. And, um, he just has some really great gems in that book. But one of the big takeaways for me personally were two things. One, one, he said, I am my worst person when I'm in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh my gosh. I was thinking about like getting ready for mass and like, you know, yelling at everyone to get in the car. And you know, like, you just think about all of these, <laughs> like, why do you do on <laughs> or whatever, you know, just like all these like things where you're just like constantly, you know, we homeschool our kids. We're a part of a co-op. And so, you know, they're around a lot. And so, you know, there's just that constant of like, what do you, okay, kind of like, let's go. Here we go. Here we go. You know? So I just thought that was so great to kind of sit back and go, he is so right. And then the, the other takeaway was, you know, he always said that he used to always do the what would Jesus do thing, you know, like, okay, what would Jesus do? And he said he used to always get kind of hung up on it because, you know, you look at Jesus and he's a, you know, a, a beautiful, celibate, single, 30-something guy right. hanging out with about 12, you know, 12 other guys. But one of my favorite quotes is, you know, the, the amazing thing about Jesus is that he had, you know, 12 good friends at 30 years old like that. You know, that, I always thought that was so funny. My young adults just die laughing because they're like, that was his true accomplishment is that he had 12 good friends at 30 years old because he was able to like have these amazing relationships, you know. And he just said, I always get hung, I always got hung up on that. What would Jesus do? And he said what really changed everything for him was starting to pray with the, the idea of what would Jesus do if he were me? And just putting that question back towards what would Jesus do if he was a Protestant pastor at a mega church with three kids and a wife who begs for attention and time, you know, what would he do if, you know, he, he, he basically laid out his life and he goes, you know, I can't answer all the time. What would Jesus do if he were me? But I bet he would have spent a lot of time with his kids Mm -hmm. and I bet he would have done moved heaven and earth to get time with his wife. 
and have a date night. And I bet yeah. he would have looked at his email at some point and like just said, I can't, I just can't be all these places. And he lays out this is beautiful, you know, how Jesus went away a lot and had to like, he had to leave. Like the crowd was like yelling for him and the crowd was chanting his name and the crowd, you had all these people that needed to be healed. And the next sentence was, so Jesus snuck away to pray. He went up the mountain. Yeah. Bob and I just had a lot of really good conversations about like, man, what would Jesus do if he were me? You know, what would he, what would Jesus do if he were sloth? What would Jesus do if he were Sarah? What would Jesus do if he had, you know, five kids and, you know, they, you know, just looking at that and, oh my gosh, it just really helped me to pray. I prayed in a different way that, you know, with yeah, that question. Really... Um, and it was just really, it was really beautiful. Well, two big takeaways that, that I know we've talked about before. Um, I, I've t- kind of told my personal testimony about busyness is we also homeschooled. And um, but when we had our third child, um, I, I remember, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit quietly through someone or some experience tells you something and sometimes he hits you upside of the head. And it was one of those really hit me upside of the head, Holy Spirit moments that, you know, it was like, I was like, I'm always saying, hurry, hurry up, get your shoes. Like you said, get your shoes on, get your, you know, we had all these activities and, you know, Trey and I talked about it and I said, you know, I'm a stay at home mom that's never at home. And mm. what am I doing? Oh, yeah. What am I doing? I, my, mm. I, my kids, you know, if I, <laughs> this is a, a homeschool confession. If, if the kids got up and I was dressed, they're like, where are we going today? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And so oh, I, love it. I started looking at what I needed to get rid of. And it was so hard because it was all good things. It was yeah, all good things. Absolutely. It was kinder music and it was co-op and it was, you know, um, you know, this little group and that little group. And and but I said, no, I've got to, you know, I, and, and I, I shed a few things and there was so much more peace in our house. Amen. But it was so, so hard. It was so hard. Um, but yeah, yeah. To, to, well, to do that and, and also, really pray and I look think- at that. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I, I was just going to say, I like, la- I'm laughing. I'm dying inside. All homeschool moms just laughed at everything you just said. <laughs> um, I, always tell people, I always tell people, I'm like, okay, there's like getting up at seven and there's like looking good at seven. It's like, are you trying to tell me my family has to look good at seven or we have to be up by seven? Uh, I'm just kidding. But like, uh, we just, we, I, I was laughing at what you said because I was, I was just recently at a, I speak at a lot of women's conferences and we had women from 18 to 88, you know, it was a really beautiful women's conference. And, and it was funny. They were dying laughing because we were just all, I was just being, being very real. And, um, I was talking about a confession that I had, uh, years ago, I was young kid, you know, and I was confessing, I think just lack of patience and just feeling overwhelmed. And, you know, I don't know. My confession was pretty good. It was, it was, it was a killer, killer time, you know? (laughs) So anyway, I was just confessing a bunch of this like mom guilt and just feeling like I wasn't enough and that I wasn't doing enough. And I just felt really overwhelmed. And, so yeah, I was I had this confession, and then this sweet priest in the middle of my confession was like, "Sarah, Sarah, Sarah, hold on. Um, are you are, like I just want to make sure that you're aware that like God doesn't love you because you're good. Like God loves you because He's good, <laughs> and His love for you doesn't go up or down based on your performance. Like like you're aware of that, right? And I was like. of course I am absolutely I mean who isn't aware of that right like and I remember walking away from that confession going like oh my gosh like I I am so performance-based even with the Lord like I mean I I like really do like sometimes fall into that American I think American culture way Mm -hmm. where it's like you have to like do enough and be enough and and dot all the I's and cross all the T's and like lose 10 pounds and have your hair looking really good to like be loved by anybody, even the Lord. And I think that that's like just a huge hurdle for us as human beings is to not see the Lord's love the way that we see human love, you know, and, and to be able to see like, Oh my gosh, like I don't have to like you be a part of everything and I don't have to feel like I'm keeping up with everyone. And I don't have to feel like, I have everything together. You know, I, I had, I heard a, a guy say one time, like the Lord expects you to come to him messy. 
Like, that's, like, an expectation. He's not expecting you to come to him, like, perfectly put together with, like, everything rocking. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he's not expecting that. And I think that that really relaxes me as a, as a type A people pleaser, you know, perfectionistic, firstborn, you know, there's therapy later. You know what I mean? Like, um, I think it really helps me to kind of calm down. And, and I and I've told Sloth this before. I'm like, I'm like, I don't want my kids to ever feel that anxiety that I kind of felt, you know, I was raised in a, in a beautiful, amazing, all American Catholic home. Um, and my parents are so funny. Like they, they kind of have their conversion, their deepening of faith when I had mine in college. And, and my mom and dad are like, Sarah, speak slowly. We're seventies Catholics. Like you got to slow down. You know what I mean? And, um, and so like, I grew up in this amazing house, but it wasn't like a, they gave us everything they had, and that was, and it was very little. They were poorly catechized, just like, you know, right. they were brought up in that time where right. you didn't really, you know, there was no youth group, there was no catechesis on, you know, there was nothing. And um, and so I just, I really bring that to everybody listening today. It's just like, I think we're, we us all sometimes feel like, man, I just got to get it together. And then I'll go to that, you know, together in holiness, and everyone's going to be like, she's so holy, you know, and I'm going to come to this thing. And I think that that's where everybody just needs to take a step back and a deep breath and go like, no, we are literally all, you know, I, I tell my young adults, I'm like, well, it's okay to be a masterpiece and a work in progress at the same time, you know, like to be able to sit before the Lord and like, you know, like I am a masterpiece. Like I am unique and unrepeatable and the Lord loves me and there's never going to be another me. And like, he really broke the bank when he created me. Cause I'm so flipping awesome. And at the same time, be able to be like, and I am such a work in progress and I need to work on this, 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 and that. And that's like, that's okay. Like that's what the Lord wants is he wants you to see that beauty and that goodness. And then he also wants you to take a deep breath and then get out your piece of paper and say, these are the things I want to work on because I love you, Lord. And I know where I want to be and it's closer to you. And so what do we want to, like, what do I want to do? What do I want to add? And what do I want to subtract to be closer to you? Mm. Oh, that's exactly right. I, the, the, the saints, so many people say, you know, if you want to be a saint, I mean, see yourself as God sees you, which is on the one hand, recognize your brokenness, your poverty, your spiritual poverty, mm. and see that poverty in light of God's infinite love. If you only think about your brokenness, then you fall into despair. But if you think only about love and mercy, you might fall into presumption. But that two together, that's Christian hope. And, and you know, as you're saying, something Amen. I'd like to add is I have a powerful confession early in marriage as well. And and I was, you know, a couple kids and early, you know, newly married and just like, I'm not praying as much as I did when I was yes. in college and this and that. And, <laughs> and this preacher said, that man's dead. That right. man's dead. And so I think one thing I'd say to everybody listening is there are seasons in life. Yes. So what? excellence looks like may look different at different phases in your life mm-hmm. and that's okay and the lord is with all of us this may not be the season where i can do a bunch of holy hours and this and that and maybe that 10 minutes of mental prayer in the morning you know where the only or you know that little finite time might be so meritorious and beautiful and pleasing in god's eyes because the lord knows our situation and yeah. there'll be a different yeah. time where we can spend a lot more you know so i, I think to recognize there are seasons in life and they change, and that's okay. And this is all the Lord's providence working through the circumstances we're in. Right, and I, that you reminded me, Bishop Mike Sis was was my confessor when he was a priest here, and I, and I remember, you know, I hadn't gone through my theology, working on my theology degree, all this stuff, and I was like, it's it's so busy. I mean, I you know, I can't get to daily mass like I was getting and I was going through all this stuff. He said, Trey, you got, you got a degree in theology, right? And I'm like, well, I've been working on it. And he's like, well, uh, last time I checked, there's grace in the sacrament of marriage. So, <laughs> so he's like, why don't you call on that? You know, when you can't make it to all the prayer time that you used to be able to make before you had all those kids. And that was a really a, change i mean that was a change it was like okay i need to i need to embrace where i am and recognize that god is wanting to to pour out his, his grace in and through the sacrament that i hadn't i mean honestly until he said it even though i knew like if you asked me on a test i would have got it right but <laughs> but but, it, but but like practical like r- realizing that and I, it was bob beckman or they, they yeah. always said, said yeah there was Jim we had Jim. on here and he said you know more people need to call Jim. on the Jim Jim Beckman, I guess in Oklahoma. Yeah, Jim's yes. a good friend of ours. And, yes. Jim, and Jim was on our show, and and he kept going back and saying, "More people that are married need to call on the grace of the sacrament." Like literally, like, like call, like you know, like in, in oh, that's 
you know, all during the day. And, you know, I, I remember people asking me when the triplets were babies. I mean, again, had six under six under six. And uh, and they said, how do you do it? And I say, I get up and I never say amen. It's just, a, <laughs> you know, yeah, my, you know, absolutely. I try. I mean, many times failed miserably, but, um, you know, tried not to, you know, grumble through the, the laundry or, or, you know, it's all those little things, you know, the, 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 you know, my altar was the sink and the couch of Mount Neverrest, which is our unfolded clothes. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> so, oh my God. Yes, yes, yes. yes. It's all those, all those well, little things that I think God wants. Of, yeah. Well, and I think one of our challenges today, and I've been like, talking to you guys and just like, just so much beauty, you know, and I think that's one of the hardest things for us today. And, and we, so often I joke all the time because it's like, we hang out with a lot of college students and they will see us and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, we're going to be married 16 years, you know, we have five kids and they will look at us and they'll be like, we want your marriage. Like we want your family. It's so amazing. And we always want to be like, dude, you should have been around for the first five years. It was so <laughs> great. You know, like, and we always joke with them because we're like, gosh, if you would have told us like when we were in college or even engaged, what it would have been like, you know, when we first got married and when Andy was in grad school and to be like, I call myself a, a grad school widow that wasn't always very nice about it. And like, you know, like I just to have young kids, we got, we got pregnant. I threw up on our honeymoon. I thought it was the food of Mexico. I was totally pregnant, you know, already. And you know, it's like you joke because you're like, I, we had two babies almost in the, in one year, our first year of marriage. And wow. you know, you, you look back on those days and you look back on the, the early fights or the early, you know, strong <laughs> disagreements or whatever. And you're like, I just don't like, you always like fear. You never want to like scare people because you're like, dude, like what may, what you love about Sloth and I is because we looked at each other and said, there's like so much beauty and freedom in this struggle because I know that you're not going anywhere and you know that I'm not going anywhere. And we call it like the freedom of indissolubility. You know, like it's like, there's this freedom that says, Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, this is so hard, but I don't want to struggle. I wouldn't want to struggle with anybody else. Like you, like you're the one that stuck with me, baby. And we're going to figure this (laughs) out, you know? And, you know, and so we had a lot of those conversations called like, like have goodwill. Like I'm on your team, you know, like this is the hardest thing we've ever been through, you know, like whether it was, you know, little kids or we, we lost one of our best friends in a car accident after being married three months, you know? And like, so there was a lot of death and a lot of life and a lot of unknown. And, you know, where are we going to live? I don't know. Like, how are we going to pay for it? I don't know. Like (laughs) we ate a lot of oatmeal and had a lot of eggs, you know? Like, and so I just, I look at all of those times in my life and all these students look at me and are like, Oh my gosh, we want what you have. And I'm like, it took a lot to get here. And I think that's what a lot of couples have to hear is like, you know, when they're young and, and <laughs> newly married or that they've been a lot of couples that have been married, you know, 20, 30 years, you know, like empty nesters for the first time or whatever. It's like, you know, go back to what it was that, that made you fall in love, but also go back to what it is that makes you so strong together. And those are going to be good times and hard times. And, Absolutely. and that's, you know, whether it's your spiritual life, your prayer life, like I'm just so inspired by what you just said, you know, about like those, you know, those little kids amount, you know, there's a mountain of work to be done and, but it's like so beautiful. And that's why I told Andy, I'm like that camp, camp you know, camp counselor, all four years of, of college, I worked that camp. And every time I signed up, I was like, why am I doing this again? This is the hardest thing I've ever done. We get paid like 30 cents an hour. You know, I'm like, what am I doing? And I always signed up and I was like, this is the, I mean, like, this is the best time of my life. And we, I mean, it was so hard. It was so much work. And I said it was the best preparation for motherhood ever was camp counselor, you know? And so I just, I, I look at the things in our lives or, that are worth something. It was through struggle Absolutely. and it was through that joy and that freedom within the fight, you know? It takes such intense humility to, to want to be a champion of the little things. And we always want the glory, you know, all the things will be outside the accolades, but it's like, are you willing to be a champion of little things. And and we all know, like, the game is won and lost right there. I mean, like, the, yes. the joy in the home, the peace in the home. I mean, are you willing to do it when nobody's watching? Because this will make all the difference in the world. And we, te- we, we say that to our college students a lot because they're being raised in an age where everybody is trying to put their best foot forward on this screen. And we always tell the students, we're like, look, like, you could be TikTok famous. You could be a, an amazing speaker, even... Um, you know, doing great things for the Lord, 
But like we had mentors of ours, like I, I, I mean, we had really good mentors when we were in college and they were like, yeah, like I had a priest tell me like, you may start this amazing organization, this amazing, you know, amazing apostolate. You may write books, you may do all these beautiful things. He's like, but if your family suffers, like if you don't mm-hmm. take your family to heaven, like the Lord is, you know, the Lord. I had the priest said, then you'll be in hell. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, like, the Lord, like, I think he was trying to like share these guys, you know, because they were doing amazing things. But he was like, dude, if you leave your family in the dust, like that, like you will have dropped the ball on your big vocation, and like that's not your calling, you know. And so Slav and I have just had such. A, we've been so blessed, and that's one of the reasons why we give back. You know, why we just want to pour into these college students is because we we would not be sitting in this car talking to you right now, you know, on this radio show if it wasn't for like them really pouring into us and, and giving us a formation to where, you know, we just burn, like we burn for the Holy spirit. We burn because we want people to have what we were given. And it's just so, it's so precious to us. And to be able to love on, on the people around us, the whoever God puts in front of us. But, um, you know, it's just a, it's such a joy to be able to, to give to others what we were so generously given by the Lord, you know? Right. 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 Well, we are actually, we've got about, Six minutes left in the show, if you can believe that. This is always a, this to me is always the indication of a great show when it's like, whoa, it's almost over. Wait. <laughs> but if you have joined us at any um, part and parcel of this show, you are listening to the Swaffords on the Mystery of Parenthood, and they are going to be speaking at the Togetherness and Holiness Conference in uh, in Austin at uh, in Round Rock, Texas, at St. William's Catholic Church. The theme is family, a domestic church, and it's on November the 6th. If you have not signed up and this has not fired you up to be there, I don't Sign know up. what would. I don't know what would. So you can <laughs> you can visit Together in Holiness. That's Together in Holiness, all one word, dot com. Select the Austin location and um, sign up because I'm afraid, man, now it may be a there may be a mad rush in there. You may use so, some, yeah. not many spots no, left. So <laughs> no, but I, I think, no, I, think I love it. Yeah. What, what y'all were saying is we always try to tell people because I was it is it's the struggles honestly, that are the things that we look back on that shaped us and molded us and made us who we are. The, the, the more we got more trouble when things were, which I, I can't think there was maybe a week or so in the 33 years we've been married where there wasn't <laughs> some, some sort of struggle happening. But I mean, but we always tell them, <laughs> this is not a negative thing to tell kids. We want you to realize that, look, it's going to take work, but it, it is so worth everything to pour yourself into that. And, and like you said, the, the, the freedom of indis, indissolubility is something that needs to be sold as well, because so many people look at that as a, what, you know, it's one person. Well, there is freedom in, I, it's you and me forever. I mean, I, I tell the story of my dad, the day I got married, he's my best man, right? I mean, people are walking down the aisle and wow. he stands in front of me and says, Trey, I just got to tell you one thing. We'll run out this back door. If you don't want to go forward, I mean, we'll leave right now. And, but if you go out there and say, I do, I just want you to know you're in, you're in for life. And that's not to scare you. That's just to make you know. And I was like, dad, I'm good. Well, you know, I didn't know what I was signing up for, (laughs) but, but I I wouldn't trade a minute. There's plenty that the times I wouldn't rewind and go do again. (laughs) Right. But anyway, I, I think that's a message that people need to hear going in that, that it is, it's exactly those struggles that, that, that end up strengthening and making you realize how much you can rely on the other person. And, and it just, uh, it, it changes you and it changes your relationship. And anyway, I, I agree so oh, yeah. much with what you said. Hey, hey, Trey, hey man, I, I just love, love that story. I love what you're saying about your dad too. And I, I just think about what, I mean, what worth having in life doesn't come without blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, exactly. look the way we look at athletics, academics, like why would we think that something so much more important would cost less of us? And it's only when you go all in that you taste the fruit of that liberation and joy and, and, and freedom. And if you go half-baked, like it, it's, yeah. it's, it's, that's not what it's for. You can't do this half-baked. You got to go all in. And then when you take that leap, it's like, oh man, like yeah. you and I, it's like, I never knew. And it's like, now, now I see. Yeah. And I say, it's really great to help college students and young people to see this, but it's also really great to hear it just kind of like remind couples, especially married couples, you know, cause I think it's so easy. I mean, Sloth and I have talked about this a lot. Like, you know, it's so easy. Like the, 
it's almost like I joke that if, you know, we love Dave Ramsey, we've loved Dave Ramsey for a long time. And he always says like, if you don't control your money, it'll control you. Yeah. And I always tell, I joke with my colleagues, I'm like, or if you don't control your emotions, it will, they will control you. If you don't control your phone, it'll control you. And, and Andy and I always joke, we're like, sometimes it's easy to feel like the house and the kids and the schedule just control you. Mm-hmm. And so it's so good to take a step back and be like, no, I actually have a choice in some of this. And yes. I actually have a choice in how I want to approach this or even my attitude towards this or my prayer life towards this. And I mean, sometimes it feels like we're hamsters on a wheel. And I know as a, as a mom, you know, I, I've shared this with a lot of my, my Bible study and just, you know, different moms my age. And, you know, we all just kind of sit there like, yes and amen. But then you almost like have to take a step back and say, what do I want to do about it? Because it's so easy to, to have these conversations and then walk away. And like, the minute, like we're going to go back into the house, you know, and it's going to be five kids going, where did you guys go for an hour? Like, <laughs> where we get to talking to each other on, in the car, you know? I'm on the radio. Sure you were. Yeah, right. Yeah. Sure. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm joking, but I think it's really good for people to take, like, these weekends, like, take a day. Absolutely. Take a, you know, take a couple hours. Oh, my gosh. You we, know, we even joke. We used to have to take every Sunday. We called it our gospel meeting, getting on the same page to live. Oh, that's really good. Yes, because if we knew, if we were having a bad week, it was because we hadn't had our gospel meeting on Sunday to realize who was going where, who needed what, what, you know, it was our, okay, what do you got? What do you need? What do you have? You know. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So, yes. Well, and then also, like, you know, like how, you know, the Pope said, like, waste time with your kids. You know, I I think the greatest gift we can give someone in the 21st century is is the gift of our availability, the gift of our time, the gift of our eyeballs. I mean, I just I joke with the students, you know, but I I give them a challenge. You know, I call it the cell phone challenge and I tell them, like, find a group of people to go out to dinner with. Everybody take their phones, put them in the middle of the table face down and the first person to grab their phone pays the bill. Um, and that's like my joke is like, they, they don't even know what it's like to get away for a couple hours without their phones. And, yeah. you know, right. and, and so like, even as married couples, you know, to say like, Hey, this is my two hours. Like I give this to you like every week or whatever, you know, you don't even have to, you can just go on a walk together, you know, whatever it is. Like, it, you know, I just, I think it's so important. And, yeah. and I think that well, it's easy to kind of talk a big game. I think, you know, right. it's easy to say, we well, should do this and we should do that or whatever. But to really, we're hoping that it, you know, that we inspire people this weekend on that together. Well, and and this point, of time, we're, we're, I know. Time, well, we're, and you are going to inspire people. We know it. We know it. So make it there. Make it there this uh, November the sixth, guys. Uh, thank y'all so much for being on the hold, show. Hold on. Remember, only God can help you take the mystery out of parenthood. Pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. Thanks for joining us today. God bless. God bless. Pray for us. We're praying for you.